0: to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit SozoSMTX.com. My name is Joel, and I am really glad that you're here this morning. I've been looking forward uh, to uh, our time together. If you're Uh, A visitor, if this is your first time, or maybe your second time and your first time, you didn't want to text hello uh, to that number up on the screen, then you could do that uh, now. We'd love to follow up with you, get you some info about us, how you can uh, get connected. Um, But we're really glad that you would take time to be here, especially on Spring Forward Sunday, where it's like really an hour earlier, which that means that maybe I get an extra hour to preach. Is that what that means? No, I I don't think that's what it is. Go for it, yeah. Um, and we're gonna take up Ty's offerings this morning. Um, I was just thinking about my, my family story. Um, so I'm like fourth generation believer. My grandfather, uh, Ken um, Lowry, uh, was a missionary church planter, still is actually, he's in his 80s, and he's, he's still going strong in the Houston area. Um, but when my dad was a kid, they lived... Uh, in Mexico, and then they moved to Honduras and planted churches there. But when they were in Mexico, they uh, they were living on support. However, they weren't raising support. They were just trusting that God would bring in whatever they needed. So they never asked anybody for a dime, and still haven't. And yet, my grandfather now has an inheritance that he's uh, giving away. He like gives me gold coins and stuff. Um, but at this particular time. Um, Their money was running really, really low. In fact, they had $10 left and enough food in the pantry for the next day, and yet they had neighbors in need. And so my grandfather felt like God said, give the money that you have to your neighbors so that they can have what they need. So they just trusted God. The next day, they go out and check the mail, and there's a check for $100 in the mailbox exactly what they needed to keep moving forward. Sometimes God provides for us our daily bread, one meal at a time, one bill at a time, and then other times he's setting us up to leave a legacy and pass on an inheritance. Regardless of what it is, it's always wise that we recognize that God's our provider. And, and if he's our provider, then we can follow him when he says to give. We can be a generous people with what he's entrusted to us, because we recognize that he's both provider, our source, but he's also a really good father, and he wants to take care of his kids. And so as, as you give this morning, I just want to encourage you that you, you give from a place of faith, trust, knowing that God is actually really good to you, that he's got you on his mind all the time, he's thinking about you, and he wants to care for you and sustain you and give you everything that you need. In fact, he he wants to give you overflow so that you can even leave uh, a legacy for those that would come after you. So I just wanna pray for your finances. Father, I thank you that you are really good. We just declare that we recognize you as the source. In fact, our giving is a declaration that we trust in you, that we believe in you, that we know that you're really, really good and that you're good to us. And so we give in faith, recognizing your goodness to us. We love you, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this morning, uh, I don't wanna miss what just happened. If um, you experienced healing in your body, touched by God in uh, some noticeable way, would you please let us know? You can email us, you can text us. Most of you have my phone number, even if you don't know it. Um, I text you when you text hello, so you've got my number. Let somebody know, we wanna celebrate what God's doing. It's not just a, a private matter, but it actually, it's something, it's God's story that he's working. And so um, what you just saw this morning um, was we shared some stories. And as, as Shane was saying, the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, meaning when we say what Jesus has done, he begins to do it again. It's a declaration that he's doing it again. And so we, we, we wanna be a people um, that live rooted in the word of God, but also find life in the testimony of God. How many of you know that Jesus isn't relegated to his book? He's the Lord over his book, and he's still at work. We're not just sharing stories of what he did 2,000 years ago, but he's still doing it. And so I think for us, one of the things we have to do is make sure that we continue to tell stories of what he's doing in our lives, tell it to the people around us, um, tell each other, but it's, it's, it's really valuable that we recognize and celebrate God's work among us. It's crazy, right? Like, it's crazy, To see God working among us, it's it's incredible. Um, I believe it's actually the heart of God that it would be normal, but it is also crazy at the same time. Right? Just me. Okay. Well. So we're in a, a a series called "Thinking with God." It's not about thinking like God. It's actually learning to think with God. You see, the invitation of heaven that comes with the new covenant is that we're in Christ, and He's in us, and what. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2 says is that we actually have the mind of Christ. Here's the reality. We'll talk more about this next week when we talk about wisdom, but it works kind of like this. You and I have our own brains, right? You got a brain? Uh, Hopefully so. If you didn't say yes, then maybe not. (laughs) You've got a brain. Your brain has some limitations to it, right? How many of you have a phone? Everybody, you got a phone? Does, does your phone have some limitations to it? Mine continually tells me that there's no more space on my phone and that I need to buy some backup to get into the cloud, right? <laughs> learning to think with God is ultimately learning how to tap into the cloud that has everything that we need. You see, it's, it's not about simply learning to think differently or think positive thoughts. It's actually learning how to be connected with the source so that I can have everything that I need. We'll talk next week about King Solomon and how he lived in that reality and how if somebody who lived in the old covenant, an inferior covenant to the new covenant that we live in, gets to think with God and have that gift of wisdom, then maybe you and I uh, should have it too in the new covenant when we're one with Jesus, amen? But what I wanna talk to you about this morning is is renewing your mind. Romans 12.2 says that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. The idea that our minds can be renewed means this, that we can actually learn to think differently. But as we think differently, what Romans 12, 2 is saying is that we're actually transformed. It's a disproportional response, an exponential response. When your mind is renewed, all of a sudden you get to think in a new way. That word Uh, Transformed is the same word used for transfigured. It's also the same word for metamorphosis. Last week, we talked about that word meaning this. It's to be transformed or to be changed by being with one. You see, it's actually that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. When our minds are renewed to think on the realities of Jesus, then it changes the way that we think. And when I talk about the realities of Jesus, what we need to recognize is that when God shows up, when he's in our life, that there's a better way to think. That's why Jesus said his message was really simple, repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. What he wasn't saying is change the way you think because one day there's going to be a chance for you to get to heaven. No, what he was saying is change the way you think because there's a reality among you that's greater than you can see then you can hear, then you can smell, taste, or feel. And so if you can change the way you think, then you can actually live in it. It's not about thinking harder, thinking more, learning more. It's not actually about knowledge. It's about learning to think differently. For many of us, our thoughts actually hold us captive. It's actually the way that we think, not just our thoughts, but the way that we think keep us from embracing a greater reality, Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll dive in here and and unpack what that means. And what I want you to leave with, I think it's, for me, it's probably top five discipleship tools that I would give anybody is learning how to renew your mind. And so I wanna give you some practical ways that you can live this out, not just give you uh, more information. 2 Corinthians 10 Starting in verse three, it says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. That's really good. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Say divine power. power. To demolish strongholds. Say "Strongholds." strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive, say captive Uh, every thought to make it obedient to Christ and we will be ready to punish. That word punish is actually not the right word. It's actually more like try or bring justice to, by the way, to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. Here's the reality. If you don't take your thoughts captive, your thoughts will take you captive. If you don't take your thoughts captive, Your thoughts will take you captive. Most of us get into our thought life this way. We feel, and then we think. I don't feel like doing that today. So now I form a thought, and so I won't do it. That's actually not the way that our brains work. You see, your thought life informs your emotional responses, not the other way around. Most of us will live with our, with our emotions as masters, and so we'll do whatever we feel like doing. And the problem is, is that when we do that, we make our emotions Lord. But the way that we should actually live is with our emotions as a, a really good friend But as Jesus is Lord, he's the one that defines the greater reality. And so emotions make really good friends, but terrible masters. When we learn how to think differently, when we embrace a kingdom way of thinking, when we learn to live with a renewed mind, then we actually can take our thoughts captive. And as we take our thoughts captive, it actually tells us how to feel. We've known this to be true in scripture for hundreds and hundreds of years, and now science is actually catching up with the truth of scripture. You see, for, for a long time, science thought that the way that our minds work is that they were hardwired, meaning that they were fixed, meaning that you were going to have the cert, certain emotional responses to information, whether or not you like it. That's just the way that you're wired. But what they've discovered in the last couple of decades is this thought called neuroplasticity. Say neuroplasticity. neuroplasticity. Good, you, you know more than one syllable words. That's, that's impressive. <laughs> it means this, that, that actually the neuropathways in your mind can change. That's really good. In fact, I, I live with evidence of that. Let me give you one really, really personal slightly vulnerable or at least transparent uh, piece of my history. In my late, or actually in all of my teenage years into my early tr- 20s, I, I wrestled with addiction to pornography. Everybody's like, oh, wow. Most of you are thinking, yeah, me too, but we won't go there. <laughs> and so there were certain ruts. How many of you have ever driven on an old country road? Anybody? You're like truck on an old country road, like a dirt road with ruts on it, it will basically drive itself. It's like train tracks. It'll like basically tell you where to go. And if you wanna get out of those ruts, you have to like take the wheel and move really hard to get out of those ruts and go a different direction. That's the way our minds work. And so I had certain responses to experiences that I was going through that would lead me in that direction. It was that my mind wasn't renewed, and so all of a sudden, those neuropathways, they had not formed like a slight connection. There was a really, really challenging connection there that if I felt alone or stressed or tired, all of a sudden, my mind was already headed down that road, and so what I had to do is learn not just to think different thoughts, but actually to think differently so that my mind could be rewired. Here's the problem that most of us have with addictive behaviors, is that we focus on not doing the thing that we don't want to do, but we have a really hard time doing. Anybody recognize that? It's like, don't do that thing. Maybe for you, it's really simple. You, uh, like one of my kids, maybe pick your nose and and eat your boogers. (laughs) Or maybe, I'm not gonna tell you which one, I've got three you can pick. Don't want to embarrass my kids. Um, or, or maybe it's that you pick at your nails or pick at whatever it is, right? Or maybe it's, it's a really significant issue. But the problem is that the human mind can't understand or comprehend the negative. Simon Sinek, who's a, a researcher, dis- discovered that or has, has brought that to light. And most of you are like, well, I, I, can, I can comprehend the negative. Let me give you an example. Don't think of me with hair. didn't work, right? You're like trying to picture it now, right? Don't think of me with a clown suit on. Right? Stop. (laughs) don't, Don't think of me with an extra 300 pounds. Right? You can't actually, if I tell you not to think of that, don't think of a giraffe right now running on the stage behind me. Don't think about a giraffe, what that would look like. You see, our minds actually can't understand the negative. And so the harder we try to not do something, the more easy it is to fall into that very temptation. So unless we learn how to think differently, we won't ever get out of those ruts. I had another season six, seven years ago of depression. And I was up until that point a chronic people pleaser. I wanted everybody to like me and be happy with me, and I was willing to risk my own feelings about myself, which I didn't even have a good comprehension of, in order to keep the people around me happy, because I didn't understand the idea of differentiation, that there's actually a difference between me and you, and even if you don't like me, I can still be okay. So I made some decisions that I knew that God was leading me into, but some people around me didn't like it, and that was really, really hard for me. It put me into depression. Now, let me say this. There's several ways we get into depression. I'm not saying that I have the cure for what you're going through. I'm just gonna tell you what worked for me. What I begin to, to do is I, I would wrestle with these lies in my head. Have you ever had one of those, right? You got this lie in your head. And usually it would come from an awkward interaction. Sometimes I could just get there all on my own. I didn't need any help. And what would happen is that lie would take me captive. Right? And maybe it's just somebody for you, somebody at work said something sarcastically and you're like, oh, that really hurt. And now it starts to take you captive and determine the way that your day is gonna go, the way that you see yourself. And so I was really, really struggling. I was numb, thank God. I had already dealt with the pornography issue because it would have blown up my family at this point and my ministry. So what I escaped to for a season was video games on my phone, because I was so numb, I just needed to get out of my head. Let me say this, there are some escapes that are, are really, really damaging, some others that just really don't help, but they're, they don't fix the problem. That was one of those. I, I wasn't any better off for doing that, but I just needed something to, to numb me, right? I'm not an anti-video game person, though I don't play them, uh, haven't played one this year. Um, so, But what I realized is that that wasn't really helping. It was an escape, but it actually didn't do me any good. But I was like, man, I'm stuck, and I need to get out of this way of thinking. So here's what I started to do. I realized that if I didn't take my thoughts captive, they would take me captive. So I actually, instead of running from my thoughts, I actually had to dive into them. Where did this start? What's the lie that I'm believing and so I would write down, okay, somebody said this. Here's the emotion or the experience that I'm feeling. I'd make three columns. The second column is, what's the lie that I'm believing? Have you ever believed a lie? Yes, if, if you have it, then you're believing one now. <laughs> what's the lie that I'm believing? And then, and typically, most lies that we believe fit in one of four categories. It's a lie about you, it's a lie about God, to lie about somebody else or to lie about your circumstances. And so I begin to say, okay, this is what it is. Now, you don't ever wanna camp out on the lie. You just wanna see it long enough to get your crosshairs on it and shoot it and move on. But because the mind can't comprehend the negative, I've got to figure out what to do with that lie. Here's the reality. Most of the time, the devil overplays his hand. And so he wants to attack you with a lie in the place of your calling, your anointing, the grace of God on your life. He's gonna look for a hole to do it. We see it with the, the temptation of Jesus in the, in the desert. And he, he leads with this lie. He says, if you really are the son of God. Well, if Jesus's identity was up for question, then he probably could have given in to that. But because he could see, hey, I actually am the son of God, so I don't need to do anything that you're tempting me to do because God's my father and he'll take really good care of me and he'll lead me into my destiny and I'm going to be just fine. And so the lie typically is an attack on your relationship with God, your relationship to yourself, your identity, your relationship with other people or your circumstances, which is really about God. Because God is, he's the Lord of your circumstances. Okay, so what John 8, 32 tells us is that you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Lots of things are true, but there's only one person who is the truth. That's Jesus. When you know the truth, it will set you free. Now, some of us gave our lives to Jesus and everything shifted in that moment. Others, you gave your life to Jesus and you just continued to take one more step. You see, the truth will set you free, but it has to be truth in relationship to your bondage, in relationship to the lies that you're believing. And so when Jesus walks into that lie, he sets you free. And so as you allow Jesus into that place, It brings freedom. Here's what I've discovered in years of doing ministry is that oftentimes people have really bad experiences that are traumatic. Now, trauma is not an experience. Trauma is the response to an experience. It's actually the the agreement you make in the place of an event, okay? And so two people can have the same experience, but make very different agreements as a result of that experience and have very different lives affected by that experience. That experience will have very different impact on them. And so, but what I've seen several times now in doing ministry with people is that when Jesus walks into that place of their trauma, He begins to set them free in such a way that has a disproportional result on their life. It has an exponential result in their life. I've seen people, as I've been praying with them, that God steps into that traumatic event or that bad memory, that agreement, and it actually sets them free in such a way that their lives are different, they learn to think differently. I've seen people healed of learning disabilities, of dyslexia as the result of inviting Jesus into that place of trauma. It's incredible because when Jesus shows up, he sets you free. So here's what I do. I told you I make three columns. One is the event, the emotion, the experience. The second one is the lie. What's the lie? I'm believing about God, myself, others, or my circumstances. As a result of that experience. And the third, and here's the key this is where the positivity or the negativity fast, positivity feast comes into play. Learning how to declare truth matters is that I then figure out, okay, what is the truth that's the antidote to that lie? And then I camp out on that truth, not until I know it in my head, because we know lots of things in our head that we don't know in our hearts. So I'll declare that truth with regularity until it becomes the truth that sinks into my heart and it becomes my reality, becomes the paradigm that I live from. And as a result, my mind is renewed and I'm actually transformed. So what happened as a result of that depressed season that I went through, I came into that season as a people pleaser with lots of self-protection and lots of pessimism. And I left that season as a, as a confident individual full of hope. I've, as a result, I became optimistic that you can't throw a problem to me that, or at me that will make me hopeless. Instead, I'm like, okay, I know that God's going to come through. I know that he's good. I know that he's got me. And sometimes I still get stuck for a day or two but I recognize that the truth will always set me free. And so I've decided that I'm not going to tolerate anything less than God's best in my thought life. The definition of that is this for me, Romans 14, 17, says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of food and drink but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God, and so are you, which means this, that righteousness, peace, and joy should be the atmosphere that I always live in and you always live in. So if I don't have those three things in my life that I know I've gotta do some work on renewing my mind, finding the lie that I can extinguish and camping out on the truth that I can declare until it becomes my reality. And that's the key to renewing your mind. Let me say this, it takes a little bit of work. It takes work not because you can change anything yourself but because when you, when you dig in to understand what's going on, now you know what you can be vulnerable with God about, and he can step into that situation. So this isn't just a think happy thoughts deal, but it's actually allow God into your thought life deal. Yeah. You see, if we're going to be a people that see the glory of God cover the earth as the water covers the sea, then we can't get hung up in the ways that we think. We can't see problems as the final word about our lives we can't stay stuck in hopelessness we can't stay stuck in pessimism now you may think well that's just the way that i am well if you were listening this morning you can actually change the way that you think you're not stuck in the ruts of your thinking And I believe that God wants to to raise up inside of us a people that are full of hope, that are full of faith, that are full of confidence, that walk with him in such a way that we can see the realities of the kingdom of heaven before they come to earth so that we can partner with God to bring them. It's really easy to point out, hey, God did that, right? But it's a whole nother thing to say, hey, I partnered with God in doing that. But if we don't learn how to deal with our bad thought patterns, then we'll find ourselves stuck when it comes to kingdom realities. I believe that the invitation of heaven is that we would partner with God to renew our minds and change the way that we think. I wanna leave you with this passage. It's Philippians 4, 6 through 9. There's incredible keys in this passage on renewing your mind. Um, I'll give them to you um, in the next five years or so. Um, since I'm out of time this morning. It says in Philippians 4, 6 through 9, it says, be anxious about nothing, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts, your minds in Christ Jesus. It actually says before that, that we rejoice in him. You see, there's something about When hardship, when difficulty, when challenge comes your way, when you begin to rejoice in him, it puts everything else in its proper place, because you become aware of who he is, his power, and his grace for you. Then you take your stuff to Jesus, and what happens is is that his peace begins to drop into our hearts and guard our minds. And then it says this, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. He's not saying just think happy thoughts, but he's saying that what you give your affection to will define the way that you live. And so if you can think on these things, it'll actually change the way that you think, which will, as he goes on to say, whatever you have learned or received from me or seen in me put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Here's the reality. When we change the way that we think, it'll change the way that we live. When we try to change the way that we live, we'll always find ourselves stuck in religion, trying harder and never getting there. The invitation of the gospel is, is not try to get yourself cleaned up for God, but instead that you would allow him to come into your life and to partner with you for transformation. He'll take you just as you are. All it requires is a humble heart. This morning, I wanna invite you, if you would like to give your life to Jesus, it'd be a great time. Our ministry team, you guys can come on forward. They would love to pray with you to give your life to Jesus. they'd also love to pray with you just if you need anything. Um, I did have this sense. We've seen, I think, three or four people in the last few years healed of dyslexia. I just had the sense that God wants to rewire some people's brains. Maybe it's dyslexia or learning another learning disability, but I'd love for this team to pray with you. So if you wanna give your life to Jesus, you can come forward if you need prayer for anything, they would love to pray with you. Would you stand? And we're gonna worship uh, just a little bit longer.